0: Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast, the special needs podcast. Each week we'll be talking about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools and to empower parents. In this episode, we're talking about how people can be empowered to help themselves. I'll be discussing this with my guest, Alison Knowles. Alison is an emotional therapist. This doesn't mean that she often cries during therapy. She supports emotional resilience. But before we get started, have you heard of the Virtual Send Conference? This is a conference that we started running in 2019 that makes CPD around SEND more affordable and easier to access. It runs twice a year over the internet, but you can watch videos whenever you need to as they are always available. Our next event is on the 27th of November, 2020. And you can find out lots more about the event on our website, www.trainingforeducation.com. And that's an F-O-R in the middle, not a number four. And at the end of this episode, I'll be giving you a discount code so you can save some money when you purchase access. Now on with the podcast. Week's show, we're discussing how you can be empowered to help support yourself. Joining me today is Alison Knowles. Alison is the creator of the Ollie model, the author of the series of Ollie and his superpower books, trainee of Ollie coaches, and an emotional therapist. Welcome to the show, Ali.
1: Good morning. How are you? Good.
0: Um, When people are struggling with life, is throwing at them. We often look for outside help or support. When children are struggling, they often don't think about the different options for getting help or realize that there is help out there. And while there is help and support out there, There is more they can do to help themselves in there.
1: Absolutely. I mean, just to give you a bit of background, I've trained in all sorts of therapy. I mean, probably the one most people recognize if they're looking for help with their children or their families is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. It's good. All therapy is good. It's better than nothing. But the problem was that it was all aimed at the behavior and trying to change someone's behavior which is the end game. If you've got a child that's um, misbehaving in the classroom or in Tesco's and other shops can't, obviously, <laughs> you, you want to change the behavior. And, and, you know, if you have a good rapport with them, you'll change their behavior for a little while, but not for long, because the behavior is emotionally driven. So if you don't get to the emotion and find out what's going on, you can't change the behavior. So when we're working with children, when I was working with children, just using certain other therapies, and I was just working on the behaviour, while they're with me, because I got on with them because I'm quite playful, they'd behave. As soon as I sent them back out, they wouldn't, because I hadn't solved the problem. You know, when I started saying, hang on a minute, we need, we need to deal with the, the emotion with these kids. We need to teach them how to control their emotions so that they don't need us. And everyone said, you can't do that. Children don't understand emotions. Most adults don't. So, you know, we're the therapists. They need us to fix them. And I was like, nah. And so Ollie began.
0: Ah. Yeah, definitely. I think I think when you're in that, as you said, when you're in that environment with you, I'm not saying it's not challenging because you're in a the therapy and it's new <laughs> and it's different. But if you're making it fun and enjoyable, it's a safe place, they're in a happy place. But when they then leave you and something's challenging, they will kind of revert back to what they were how they were before. That's exactly spot on. And that's what I was seeing. And and you know, we,
1: we do, as olive coaches, we do make therapy fun. That doesn't mean that, you know, we're disrespectful or we don't honor what somebody's struggling with i mean i mean there's certain situations grief bereavement things like that you can't make that fun and and we don't laugh per se but you know therapy doesn't have to be that hard and the best pattern interrupt for a negative emotion is a positive emotion that's just rapport but yeah we were seeing i was working with these kids changing their behavior patting myself on the back aren't i a good therapist their behavior is better in here look at this (laughs) i'd send them home or back out into the classroom they kick off again for exactly what you said they don't have the tools and I think historically we haven't given them the tools we've said, "Well, you know when, when you're feeling a bit angry, go and stand in the corner and take some deep breaths. Well, that is giving them tools, and it'll calm them down for five minutes, but not for long and I thought this is why people are in therapy for so damn long and you know, one child standing in the corner and taking some deep breaths might help, but not another child because we're all so unique. But that's not allowed either. We need one thing that fixes all. We'll come on to that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought Hang on, I, I think you know if I if I could teach children and adults that actually they could manage their emotions rather than be controlled by them, they wouldn't need therapists. So I'm, I'm on one to put all therapists out of business within one generation, and we're going to do it.
0: <laughs> that's
1: be a real challenge. No, 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 no. <laughs>
0: So one of the experiences my nephew had, and I discuss my nephew a lot because he's had lots of challenges, and lots of opportunities where it's gone wrong, but he went through and did the whole social stories thing. Mm. So what do you do when you're lost? Who do you go and talk to? And he will answer every single question perfectly. He'll get everything right. He'll know exactly who to talk to. You put him in that situation, his anxiety will prevent him from doing anything he knows he should do and he won't do a single thing. So that's your emotion, isn't it? There's knowing what you should oh, yeah. do, there's being told is what you do and knowing it all. And in that moment, it's all gone. It's, he's, he's not in control of his emotions. It's preventing him.
1: That's exactly my point. And it's not just children because we work with the whole family because if we just work with a child and we don't work with the family and the environment, we change nothing. And any of us, there's... There's a saying, heightened emotion makes you stupid. It does, and it's part of the fight or flight thing, which we'll come on to in another episode. But at that point, you can't think straight. And we can drill anything into children or adults. When this happens, do this. Turn left, turn right, push button three. And when they're in a calm place, they can do it. Add emotion in, forget it. So we need to give them tools to manage that emotion in the first place so it's not getting in the way and blocking. But I was hit with, you can't teach children emotional resilience until they're sort of a certain age and i thought well, no i don't believe that i think you just need to adjust how you teach them I, I go into schools and up on the wall teachers are really trying hard and i've got so much respect for teachers because they're not therapists they're teachers but they know they're probably the only ones trying to help these kids and on the wall it'll say resilience self-worth and other big words i can't spell <laughs> <laughs> But the kids can spell them but the kids don't know what it means no. they then how to put it into action and the reason being Can we play a game?
0: Give it a go. You look nervous. I love
1: it. When it's live, you're nervous. It's brilliant. And again, everybody else listening, try this. This is why kids struggle with emotions and adults. If I asked you to point to your brain, you could, right? Yeah. He hasn't. I'm just (laughs) trusting Well done. And if I asked you to point to your heart, you could. Cool. And if I asked you to draw a heart in the air, could you do that? That's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Wish we were on film. That was really cute. Okay. Can you now, that's brilliant because you know where your brain is because you've probably seen a picture or and you know where your heart is because we've talked about it and you might have seen a picture and you can draw it, that's fine. Can you now point to where your emotions live? Hmm. Slightly harder, isn't it? And, and what I normally get is people ever point to their heart or their head or they kind of wave their arms about randomly, but there's always that look of confusion. It's not instantaneous. Can you draw me an emotion in the air? End
0: up drawing an emoji.
1: Yeah, it's smiley face or something. That's the problem, you see. It's not tangible. A heart, that's something solid, isn't it? So is a yep. brain. But what's an emotion? So the, the most obvious thing for me to do was to make an emotion something solid and real. So when we were talking about little children, I suggested the idea that inside us all, there are all of these little emotions that I call superpowers because kids love superpowers. Although saying that, I call that with adults too because they love it. <laughs> and that each one of them has a role. And they're part of your team. And they're only little guys, and they only know how to do what they do. So sad can only be sad. That's his job. Don't get cross with him. That's his job. (laughs) Happy can only be happy. But you need all of them because kids will go, well, all right, but I don't don't want scared and I don't don't want grumpy. You say, well, yeah, but if you didn't have scared, imagine, right, you go to cross the road, and brave would charge across the road without looking, and scared kind of pulls his arm and goes, oi, oi, look left and right. So you need all of them. In the right balance and it was a lovely way of disassociating from the child their behavior because we're all guilty of it we go oh he's angry or he's this or he's that and the child will take on that role and label because they know no different they're learning from us but by making it a part of them we can say your angry part's a bit big today shall we find out what's wrong with him disassociate that part from the child and ask the child to come up with a solution that's why we don't need therapists this is how we do it
0: okay I think when you ask me about where my emotions are, they're in my head or my heart. And I think of your decisions you make. There's the impulse. Yeah. That's your heart. I, I feel that's your heart. Yeah. When there's, uh, there's behind you on the. the
1: thing, you, you're an absolute sweetheart, aren't you? Bless you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on the uh, bookshelf behind Ali, there's a car, which is my favorite car in the whole world. She has no idea what that is. It looks old and. It is old. It's from the 90s. It's Lancer Delta Integrale Evo 2. Of course it is, yes. Of course it is. Yes. And maybe one person listening <laughs> goes, I know that car. Most people want, it, but it's my favourite car in the world. And when I see <laughs> one, it sets my emotions off and it's my heart. And I want one. I want to own one. But actually there are now collector's items, their values shooting up. And my head says, no. So I always think of my emotions is my heart. And you make those impulse decisions or I need this. It's, it's your heart. And also I think when we talk about food, that's which is good for you and healthy. That's my head telling me this. But sometimes you need that takeaway. That's good for my heart. It's good for my emotions. Yeah. Giving it a top-up. Com- comfort eating. And
1: I think that's exactly it. We-, we have both. We have things that drive us. So emotions drive every decision you make. If we didn't have emotions, we'd probably move. We'd just sit here and... But yeah. the-, the brain is supposedly the sensible part. But that's you. So I would hazard a guess here that you're what we call very kinesthetic you do follow your heart so touchy-feely and you'll be drawn and you make your decisions based on that but other people are very audio digital which means that they kind of have to have all the details and they process things through so if i was sat with somebody like that right yeah okay if I was I'm, sat- I'm
0: both trust me but we all are at, at different points in time I, I use the um the chimp paradox yeah. thinking i love yeah. the chimp paradox because my it, i think it's, to me there's a chimp which is your blurting out response it's often the emotions. Type. Yeah. the first one which got to the microphone, that came out of your mouth. Type yeah. thing. Then there's the my heart. So I listen to my heart. Then my, my head goes. Now come on, let's think about this properly. It's the same and theory my head of the teams. Goes off. And then yeah. I sit there and balance up. Well, my heart has said yes. I've worked out all the maths. Worked out where it's going to lead me. Worked out everything, and that said yes as well. Cool, great decision. But I, I try and sometimes I don't always agree. I think, again, there are there are different personality types, if personality
1: is the right word, on how we view the world, how we interact in the world. I am very kinesthetic, so looking at it in a teaching situation is probably a good way to explain these because you'll see it in your kids yourself. If you wanted to teach me something, I can sit and listen to you because my ears work. I can look at a PowerPoint because my eyes work. But if you really want me to engage and take it on board, I need to touch it, feel it, play with it. Yeah. Whereas someone visual if you're just talking to them and there's no pretty pictures or there's no interaction, you'll lose them. Somebody very audio digital, if there's not tons of detail and process and it's just pretty pictures and play, nah. And so you need to balance that in the classroom. You need to balance it as a trainer. And I think in any any walk of life, I think if you realise that and you notice that in your children, even your other halves. Seriously, if, you, if you've got another half that's very audio digital and you want a nice new shiny kitchen, then you probably need to go to the details of the positivities of having this nice shoot. Don't, don't just tell him how pretty it is. That won't work. And you, you hear all these things. It's really funny because I do lots of relationship works as well. And <laughs> these girls go, oh, for God's sakes, do you know what he's done now? Look at this bouquet. He sent me flowers because blokes do flowers, don't they? Well, only when he's he done something wrong. Yeah, but not all blokes. And the thing is, she was very kinesthetic. She wanted a hug, and he gave her flowers because he's visual. He's saying, I love you, marry me. That's what the flowers meant, but she wasn't speaking the same language. That can, it's such a simple thing, but causes so much communication problems.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a whole, whole counselling session we can go into there. It <laughs> probably help me a lot. <laughs> Obviously, just to be clear, if my wife's listening, I am the problem, not her. <laughs> of course you are, absolutely. <laughs> First step to... <laughs> Right. But i love this helping yourself mm-hmm. my nephew again i think he had that thing where you get the picture cards at is what feeling is this no, it's happy. They, they can label every emoji they know they can see every face they can recognize it what my nephew struggled with is reading his own feelings that's
1: because you're telling him what he's feeling and again you know i'm as what i do grows we're getting so much following recognition we're in schools everywhere but i do annoy a lot of therapists so i'm very very sorry but (laughs) what happens is we'll show them a card and we'll go this is happy this is sad this is angry when children are little they're learning from us and what we say they take verbatim so if i'm happy i need to smile because if i don't smile i'm not being happy what if that's not how i express smiling i'll sum it up for you it's about language and pictures and everything and it's Everything we do is about communication, but it's so damn simple. I went into this school, and there was just quite this big chap, the, the Senko sent through to me. He had anger issues. So she filled out a referral form, anger issues, and she listed everything he'd done. And she had defined it as anger issues. And he came in, and he was a big lump, so I was a little bit guarded. And I said, are right, all right? Went, yeah. I said, you know, I'm here to help you with your anger issues. And he went, I ain't angry. Now, my interpretation was, you angry sunshine and I'm worried, but he, no, I ain't angry. Now, if I'd have pushed, he would have, the, got angry. he would have got angry and I would not have been able to engage and work with him. So long story short, but I said, okay, well, this is what the Senko's written here. This is her interpretation of your behavior. What would you call it, mate? He went, I'll get vexed, innit? Now, I have no idea, right? Me, I'm old school, pride and prejudice. Vexed is you haven't married your grandkids off or your daughters to Mr Bingley and Mr Darcy. So, do you know, to this day, I still don't know what vexed in it means. But the point is, I don't need to. Because the moment that we started to work on how he could control vexed in it by understanding why vexed was even showing itself to the level it was, and that was the first point. Let's talk to vexed. Why is it getting vexed? And come up with a solution. And by doing that, we're able to sort this kid out. If I'd have kept on with anger, it would just—you're not getting me. You're not hearing me. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't. I can't talk to you because I wasn't talking his language. Yeah. And all we need to do is just listen. If a child says I've got Mr. Angry inside, call it Mr. Angry. Don't correct him and say No, you're slightly frustrated, young man, and you need a little bit of humility. Don't do that. Right. Go with what he says. <laughs> it's that simple. It's not rocket science. <laughs>
0: I'm enjoying your, ac- your uh, accents Oh sorry, you- sorry
1: the, the Essex comes out a bit I'm sorry that's
0: right I'm <laughs> from I'm, to... I'm, from, I'm from South London
1: oh yeah well I try to be posh on the radio and all that but it don't work <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's the other thing is it be you yeah I, I do I think I think sometimes it is that listening the behaviour is always it's calling out for help it is a communication it is and when they're in that zone yeah you've got to listen to them rather than start just telling them you're wrong and some are all down to because I said so which is generally what a lot of things come down to Yeah, you can't do that why because I said so track it out over an hour and a half conversation but it's still that
1: you try doing that though when you're stressed out and you've got two kids at home especially at the moment with COVID everybody's strung out but it's back to what we were saying about you know empowering people I think what happens with a lot of parents and I see it all the time and it's so so sad they're looking left and right to see how other parents would behave in this situation and they are running a conversation in the head, a story they're telling themselves about how other people are viewing them as parents and whether or not they're doing a good job. And, and it's easy for me to sit here and say, but I say it all the time in my therapy room, and it does go in. It's like, do you know what? It doesn't matter what that parent's doing. It doesn't matter what that person over there, no matter what their professional is. Only you know your child. Your child is unique. There isn't another one like them. There never will be again. So there's no damn books. Go with your gut.
0: And even if you and me had the exact same child, we literally got a We're delivery of the exact same child. Your wife would have a fit then. Yeah. <laughs> a year later, those children will be extremely different. Yeah. Because of all the experiences, the Nature way I nurture. do things. Yeah. And also, and that emotion thing is, as you said, when it's a parent, you're trying to handle your child's emotions. Hmm but actually, because you're worrying about everyone else thinking, you haven't got your own emotions in control either. So your okay. own emotions, and we, and we did a podcast with Finton about the power of mood, yeah. and it's your mood and how you approach the situation, Completely. how that has a big impact. So the fact that when that bloke came in vexed, you're a little bit backing away, Yeah. but you didn't confront him with his anger and say, you cannot be angry, you listened. If I'd have confronted him, fire with fire
1: just causes a bigger fire, doesn't it? I mean... The way that I train my coaches, because our coaches, we call coaches because they make you a better version of yourself or the best version of self you can be. We don't fix. We don't give advice because how can we? We don't know. But what we do is we work on the principle that I cannot possibly know what's going on in your world. There isn't a book or a script that I can revert to. You've come in and you said, I'm anxious. All oh, page 32. The only time page 32 is right is in the Chinese Down restaurant, restaurant on the menu. It, it doesn't work. Everyone is unique. And it was drummed into me that we needed a therapy that, you know, ticked everybody's box. Well, ours does, but it doesn't put people in a box because I hate that. We've got everything we need inside, but we're so damn afraid of getting it wrong. We don't trust ourselves anymore. Yeah. And what we've got then is adults that don't, look at what's going on right now. Should I go out? Shouldn't I go out? Should I send my kids to school? Should I wear a mask? Don't I? Do I? All that malarkey. What do you want to do? Your mum? That's your child. What's right? But none of us are brave enough to do that because of how we were
0: brought up. Some people are brave, and then they start watching everyone else, and then they start doubting themselves because there's an illegal party going on just down the road with 150 people. If they all can meet up, and it's a really hard time because it's the world is so inconsistent, has been so inconsistent over the lockdown, and uh, Mr. Cummings has not helped the issue (laughs) at all. How about I throw that on its head,
1: right, because I listen to all this and it does make me chuckle. About month one of lockdown, I I found the ultimate cure for COVID. Don't watch the damn news. Seriously, chaps, it's that simple. But what it's done, I think it's actually, we're all so hacked off with can we, can't we, should we, shouldn't we, that we're going, do you know what, I don't know anymore, I'm just going to do what I want. That's what needs to happen. We keep looking externally and waiting for permission to get it right. We're afraid to make a decision.
0: That comes down to, do you believe COVID is a risk as a whole?
1: It's not just whether COVID is a risk or not. But I mean, people, those decisions they're making is, I don't care if you're not wearing a mask, I'm going to. So it doesn't matter which which take they have on that. And it's not just about COVID, it's general. It's, you know, before now, I would have said, my kid has to go back into school, homeschooling's wrong. But actually, I think this, and they're being brave enough to make decisions about covid about schooling about what they're gonna have for dinner you know we should have fish on friday we always have but tonight do you know what no we're gonna have beef burgers damn it (laughs) do you know it's it's, people are finally beginning to realize that you can't you can't by all means take advice that's sensible but then understand this one thing you're unique your child's unique so nobody's advice is gonna be damn right You've got to do it yourself.
0: That fish on Friday thing makes me laugh because obviously the fish on Friday thing is a Bible thing historically. It's a Christian thing. So all schools have fish on Friday, but yet you go past a fish and chip shop on Friday evenings, and I'm not judging people. I'm looking at them, going, they don't all like that type of Christian. <laughs> they, some of them don't even look like. I'm not saying it, but you know, when you just sit there and go, I don't think they're church goers. They are just just like fish. It's just no, but it's a routine <laughs> they've got into, and you can ask them why. It's like, well, we've always done it this way, and that's probably that's, what you. That's just unpicking it. that is. Are you doing this because it's the right thing? Or are you doing this because it's, what's, it's what my mum did with me? It's what we did. It's what we always did. they are afraid. Um, but you look at how we're being taught. And again, I'm not knocking the teachers. I have so
1: much respect for them. But all the pressure that they're under now, they have to get this information across to you in a set amount of time. There isn't room for kids to ask questions and say, why? Why do we have to have fish on Friday? We- I'm
0: a rebel. I always have fish on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to go back to something because something's in my head and i want to say is a beginning you talked about, <laughs> nice, nice thing, um, that you can't teach emotional resilience until they get to a certain age. And you disagreed with that. Absolute rubbish, yeah. One of the things I think is you can't, I, don't know, I might be wrong, but just as a muggle, I always call myself a muggle, non-magic folk don't understand. In theory, you can't teach someone emotions until they've experienced them. So you almost got to experience it. And you can't experience it. Once you've done it once, you can't say, "I oh, will stick a label in that, because you're not labelling it. You've got to unpick. So they've almost got to go through something a few times to sort of feel that. And I suppose that's something you, you can't really control. And that would come at different ages for all of us, wouldn't it? So for some children, they could probably deal with them. They're three, because the things they've gone through is other children who have probably been covered in cotton their whole lives.
1: Or not had anything
0: awful, yeah. Emotions won't come out till much later, but it, you can't, you can't just stick an age on it, I would have thought.
1: And I absolutely agree again. And, and that's my whole thing about what's wrong with a lot of the therapy, not all of it that's out there at the moment, is that it is too damn boxy. I literally, I have three-year-olds that uh, have come through adoption, come through foster, worse, been abused. They've experienced a myriad of emotions, but the difference is, and then and, you, know, you have other kids that have had the lovely life, perfect parenting, and there is such a thing. And they they haven't experienced grief, loss, pain, fear. They've experienced a lot of positive emotions. And again, that's really interesting. You put a load of kids together. They're going to be at a different level, but there's no room in anything that we do for them to be at that different level. But because they're experiencing that feeling doesn't mean they know what it is. I think that's the fundamental difference. So a lot of kids, when they're little, you watch a kid in the supermarket, right, getting cross with mum. And he'll start kicking off and he'll get louder and louder. And she'll start with Timothy. We don't do that in public, do we? And then she starts to go through the roof. It's really funny to watch. I should step in, but I love watching bad. But the problem is that he's feeling all this stuff inside, but he doesn't know how to vocalise it. So what he's actually doing, this frustration is making him kick off or cry or scream or whatever he's doing. He can't vocalise. He can't say, Oh, excuse me, sorry about that. You know, go and get your free coffee, mum. I was just having a moment of anxiety, but I, I've overcome it by just grounding myself and thinking empathy for everybody else. in the show. I'm fine now. He's three. doesn't happen. All he does is he like, ah, I'm feeling something and I don't know what it is. And, and then everyone says he's attention seeking. Well, he is but not in a negative way. It's, I'm feeling all this stuff. It's scary. I don't know how to vocalize it. It's coming out like this. And then the lovely thing is, last time I felt all this stuff and it was scary and I didn't know how to vocalize it and I kicked or through something, you hugged me because you realized I was scared. So I'm going to do that again because it works.
0: Yes. Any attention is attention, positive or negative. There's a whole world in that. And I also think, Going back to those, I'm going to say, different different experiences, as you said, those children in foster care, adopt, all that lot, single parents, their level of happiness, their what makes them happy is probably, I'm going to say, doesn't require much. I know that sounds probably horrible. I'm trying to explain it. I'm not always the best explaining what I mean. Right. But their understanding of what really affects them is also, it's almost, it's also, it's it, it goes up and down from a very low point. It's all about experience. Whereas that child who is, uh, let's, say, let's say a Tarquin. <laughs> we say Tarquin, now, now picturing just, it. You've
1: just offended 10% of your listeners. <laughs>
0: sorry, sorry if you're a Tarquin and it doesn't reflect you. But what they feel is a requirement for happiness and what they feel as an where do they learn it? travesty is when they don't get a pudding.
1: But where do they learn it? The whole, the whole point and one yeah. of the reasons that we work with the whole group, you're spot on. Is
0: levels of understanding of what makes you happy. You can't say to Tarquin when he doesn't get that pudding, you're not feeling sad. No, he is. Within the context of his whole experience, that is a travesty, and he will cry and bawl and do all yeah. that stuff as a young child, hopefully not as an adult. Hopefully you are past that Tarquin. Um, <laughs> Keep but- thinking. <laughs> As a young child, they were ball and that would be the end of the world yeah. because that's within their range of experiences. And it's the same yeah. at the other end is you have ranges and what makes that child happy could make another child, but you cannot dismiss any of those feelings no. because they're being felt.
1: Exactly. But the thing to take it back a step further, because then everybody says, well, that's why it's too damn complicated and we can't teach young children emotional resilience because of just what you've said, you know. I'd be quite happy if I've got a warm bed and no one's going to come into my room in the night. That makes me happy, whereas I'm not going to say Tarquin. You've, just, you've offended the world. I'm not going to. Pick
0: another name. Go on,
1: offend someone else. Uh, Sebastian. Oh, no, that's him. Tarquin um, is cross because he hasn't got any tiramisu or whatever. I mean, we're, we're joking here, but the, the key point is it's about experience, life experience, and there are so many children that probably don't have, you know, the new designer trainers or the latest iPhone, and they're happy as. Because they don't know any different. And that to them is happy because what do they actually want? All any of us want is to feel loved, safe, respected, valued. And if we have that, then we're cool and, and that's good. Safety's a big one. Love's a big one, especially when you're little, you need it. But then when you look at why would Tarquin kick off about a dessert, it's because he would then, in his model of the world, decide that not having that dessert means you don't love me or yeah. you know, I'm not valued enough. So it's him putting emphasis on different things. And I think that's what children do. If you've known no different, then you won't worry about stuff like Tarquin does.
0: It's the first few times and you sit there and you realise this afterwards is you take your child out and you go have a couple of days out. and your child So you go to the gift shop and you buy your child something. When you do it a tense time, you're sitting going, God, this is actually costing a lot of the gift shop. So we won't go. Problem is, on all nine trips before that, you go out, you go to the gift shop, you get something, and it's not an entitled thing. It's what's always happened, and now this time you're not getting it. So that's a punishment. That's a. That's exactly uh, it. So what you understand. just saw as, "God, this is costing a lot. We'll stop doing that." Yep. How that child interprets it, and I, as a colleague of mine, I said, right, first rule: don't just don't always buy stuff from gift shops. First rule: don't just don't you're. You said, oh, I'm saving you pain. <laughs> you found out pain elsewhere, which is what you do, isn't it? You move yeah. that pain and pain comes elsewhere. Because
1: every child's unique.
0: Yeah. But it is, it's realising, I just went, oh, it's costing quite a lot going to getting a shift. And also we end up with rooms full of tat. So you start doing it, but that's not what my child saw. Yeah. And I then took another three trips of emotional distress for that to then see that actually and talk to them about it all. It's
1: so, so important to understand that from their very first breath, and, you know, some people would argue before then, they're learning while they're in the womb, they need you. If you're not there to love them, value them, take care of them, they've had it. You know, they can't do anything themselves. They're hopeless. They're helpless. A young animal in the wild stands more chance than a young baby does in our society. It's hopeless. Helpless, rather. So it will... Take anything you do as the way the world works. Your model of the world becomes their model of the world. So when they say apples don't fall far from the tree. They're learning from us all the time. We go shopping, I get a toy. Oh, I didn't get a toy today. Have I done something wrong? I need to kick off because I didn't get a toy. So what will happen? And you're almost training one another all the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm, there's no right or wrong with this with parents. It's damn hard parenting. But there are, I really, truly believe there are no bad kids. They come into this world with no clue. They're learning from us. So anything that your child is doing, it's learnt it from the environment, not necessarily from you, but something in the environment. So that's what we need to change so that the child can change. And that's where we come right back in a big loop here where I say it's no good dealing with the behavior, you need to deal with the emotion. Because if you don't change what's happening in that child's environment where they've learnt this behavior, And even if you get to the emotion that's driving you, you know, I I kick off because Mummy used to buy me a present every time we went shopping and now she doesn't. That means she doesn't love me, which is the way that young, simple minds work. They're very black and white when they're small as well. Then we need to change the environment, but do it in a gentle way so the child understands that no, Mummy does still love you, but that's. You know, that's not what happens every day. That's not like breathing. You don't have to do it every day. So we create the problems in our children. And that's not, you know, I've just offended every parent in the land. Not at all. There are no, well, there are bad parents, but very, very few. Most of them are doing brilliantly with the tools that they've got, trying to get it right in comparison with everybody else. Changing the behavior is not going to work unless you deal with the emotion. And if you're going to deal with the emotion, then you have to teach children what they are at their rate. Now, most kids will understand happy or sad at a very young age fine use that don't enforce don't put your words on it learn with them
0: so one of the things i remember watching i think it was i was um my daughter was really young and we watched super nanny yeah <laughs> sometimes when i met super nanny people just go oh scary isn't she <laughs> um, We now say acceptable because that's where she said it not acceptable acceptable but one of the things i remember is the shopping trip it was going to the supermarkets and she goes, if you go there to just get around the store with your kids, they're bored. They will basically create their own trouble. They will interpret it because you've given them nothing and things will go bad. And then you'll shout at them. And you're like, but it, she said, if you give them a shopping list, you literally, every fifth item, just, can you can go get this and you'll get 22 items. They get that one item and it's probably the wrong one, but you switch it out with the right one anyway. But it gives them something to do. It distracts them it also makes them feel valued. There's various things to it. And I think a lot of things just come back to that. If generally it's that bit of effort at the beginning, preparing and thinking about something, saves you a lot of pain instead of recovering and rebuilding afterwards. And that, that shopping trip is a really good example. Because I remember doing it and not and just thinking I'm going shopping myself, my kids, and then writing this list and giving my a title who is trying to learn to read. Perfect. So she's trying to read, she begins to see what's a vegetable and off she goes and she's thinking and she was distracted the whole time. It took us 10 minutes longer but I enjoyed it. It wasn't
1: stressful like the previous time. And again, you know, that's wonderful and that is, you know, the masterclass on parenting. Well done. Yeah, yeah, but the, the reality is that most parents are so blimmin' strung out themselves and they're tired and they're exhausted and they're emotional creatures themselves so they don't have the time or the space to think, okay, we need to go on a shopping trip. We're going to do it this way and life will be easier for me. It's just not the reality of it.
0: To me, that was a bit of managing my emotions.
1: It completely is, but you have to have the time and you have to have the space to do that. So let's just say you've just had a bad day at work. You could probably get hold of your emotions enough because you want to be a good parent to go through that scenario of your kid in school. What if you just split up from your husband? What if you just lost your job? Bigger emotions. heightened emotions make us stupid and it's really, really hard to just take that breath and think calmly through. It's a lot easier just to say, do you know what? Um, just stay in the car while I go shopping with your, your dad. I'll be in and out in seconds. Or can you just keep up? I need to get the shopping done. I need to get back. because We're under so much pressure. And our children are a result of us. And there's no blame here because no. this is why, again, it's really important. All the work that we do, parents bring kids to us to, to help them with various things. And what I'll do is spend a couple of sessions with the child and then I'll say, do you know what, Mom? Let me teach you what I'm doing so that, one, you don't need your child to come here so it doesn't need therapy and a damn label, and you don't feel you need therapists to fix your child because you can't do it. But what I'm actually doing is because I can realise that that child is a result of its environment. So by teaching mum some cool stuff, I'm actually helping mum by giving her some more emotional control and resilience, which she then passes down. And that's what I want. I would just want to train every parent and teacher in the land how to use really simple techniques so they don't damn well need
0: us. We can do it. So when you talk about empowering, let's just go into this quickly. We come towards the end. Is that empowering? So with that... boy who was vexed you helping to identify how they felt and then i'm picking that and helping them w- what roughly in a in a yeah. bite-sized chunk yes <laughs> and no so what i'm not doing is saying oh so you call it vexed we
1: call it angry yes so we don't do that okay i'll just go with their language because it doesn't matter but the whole thing about the way that we work and we make that every emotion that you have is part of your team you're the captain What we do is then encourage them to talk to that part, that emotion, that superpower, whatever you want to call it. Talk to Bext and say, okay, right, you're proper kicking off. What's bothering you? Can I help? Because we've got this whole team of other emotions that may be able to help and it gets the children and adults to problem solve. And by disassociating that part from you, it's like being able to stand back, third position, and, and look at the bigger picture. Separate yourself from the emotion a little bit and come up with a solution. I do believe we've got everything we need inside ourselves. So,
0: in that situation where you've identified um, that he's vexed, is uh, having a bad day, yeah, and it needs. How can you help that child? Help, just so I sort of understand. Okay depends
1: again on what we call the rep systems kinesthetic audio digital and all of that but on this lad specifically he was very visual on telling me what vex was like so he'd sort of bang his chest so it's quite a kinesthetic visual thing so i said imagine i could just reach in and pull out that part that you're calling vexed where is it anyway it's in my stomach you know we all yeah. feel different you know so i pretended to reach in and i just had a cupped hand small cupped hand and i held it away from him and i started stroking this pretend thing in my hand to give it the feeling that it was even younger. I went, blimmin' you are vexed today, aren't you? This kid thought I was a nut job. You could see it. He's <laughs> it. like, Uff. "I went, blimmin' it, you really are? Why are you making my mate so vexed today? Do you know why he's so vexed today? And because I held it separately, the lad went, he's got some stuff going on at home. But what I didn't do is then turn and start talking to the lad. I carried on with this thing in my hand, went, what you got going on at home, mate? I kept it separate which allowed the lad to be separate. And he was able to talk almost through my hand.
0: Yeah,
1: But we do it with young and old all the time. We can do it with little ones as young as four, and they'll be able to tell you what the problem is, whereas they probably couldn't if it was about them. But by separating it...
0: It's almost like because you've taken the focus of them. So if I'm sitting there going, completely. why do you feel this? And yeah. I'm staring Spotlight. at
1: you. Yeah. Like... Whereas actually...
0: I'm taking that focus away from you. And then
1: there's no failure, is there? Because it's about this part of you, not you. You're not a bad person. It's this part that's kicking off. But then with that headspace, they can, they can say, well, you know, what could we do to make it better? What could we do to make it better at home? And it's like, it'd be really cool if my brother just, okay, so how could we make your brother? And, and then we, we get
0: slowly unpicking.
1: Unpicking. And they're coming up with a solution. And all the time, because the pressure's off them and there's no judgment and it's about this part of them, not who they are, they're coming up with their solution and they're putting it in place. They're filing it as we're talking. It's so simple, but so powerful. No yeah. therapist in 10
0: years. I think when you say something, that's a, is, you sit there going, the first thing, like alcoholism is, first problem is saying, Hi, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. That's the hardest label. bit because you label. Well, no, partly it's partly it's admitting it to yourself. So part, sometimes saying it is the hardest part. So by you taking that focus off, as you're saying it, you might be registering it.
1: But wouldn't it be easier, even with alcoholics, and I have done this with alcoholics because we can work with any emotional issue. Alcohol is a molecule. Alcohol is a behaviour driven by an emotion. Yes. If you say, so there's a part of you that can't control how much it drinks. What you mean it's not all of me? No, 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 you're not a it bad bloke. Best. It's just that part of you. So how are you and I going to help that part not ruin your life? It just puts a different slant on it. And for the first time someone believes in them, there's a light at the end of a tunnel.
0: I suppose in that time you've got the one bit, which is the alcoholic part, whichever part that is. But then yeah. you've got the pride, yeah. and all that lot is preventing someone else getting on the microphone. I'm like, no, don't, don't, don't admit it. And there's all that motion going on inside. But then and I'm what picturing you do, that bun fight for the microphone, saying, i was trying to say those words." Exactly. It. I mean, we just talked about my vex boy,
1: and we just brought out vexed. Honestly, you have to have really good memory to do this kind of therapy. I have four or five different emotions out at a time for exactly that reason. Pride doesn't want to talk about this, you know. Yeah. Embarrassment's not going to join in on this conversation. We get them all out and we unpick with each of them.
0: Embarrassed? Why don't you want to help out yet? Well, it's embarrassing, isn't it? Pride, can you have a word? Well, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine those those are quite a big one. Those those those, those yeah. two, pride and embarrassment, are probably.
1: But all behaviour serves a purpose. What is the purpose of pride? What is the purpose of feeling embarrassed? Is it really required? So you break each one down at a time so that you can finally help vexed. Because you can't help vexed if pride won't talk.
0: Yes. I think a lot of the embarrassment and pride probably drives us in lots of ways. Of but that's, that's that when external you're, when we're as at well, everyone isn't else, it? When we're looking at everyone else, yeah. it's like, oh, wow. It's all
1: external. Look yeah. inside. Trust yourself. Your children and you are unique. No one else can give you advice. Right. So Ollie Coaches,
0: how many are there? Because I was going through your website <laughs> and that was a long list.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a bit mad, really. When we started off and I had this mad idea about, you know, making it a part of you, not who you are, there was just me. And it was quite apparent. I'm in Cambridge. We had people coming down from Liverpool. One, because I don't have a six-month waiting list. And on average, we don't work with anyone for more than four or five sessions because we're teaching you how. So you don't need to keep coming back for months and months to change the behaviour. Lots of pluses to this therapy. Yeah. And it was right, well, I need more therapists. So the first thing I did was I put a call out to other therapists, CBT, what have you, Some of them, brilliant, and they're brilliant only coaches. Some of them, humble, personal, very personal opinion, should not be therapists in the first place. It's about them, and they have fixed you. No one needs fixing. We need empowering. We're not gods. It just annoys me. Sorry, I'm a bit outspoken. But a lot of them were brilliant. And then I thought, well, hang on a minute, because about 10 years ago now, I used to blow buildings up legally your eyes just went up i just went for a construction company got made redundant that's how i ended up being a therapist it was something i always wanted to do but didn't dare because of my reading and writing didn't think i could i thought if i can do it so then i i have uh, what we call my minders my my team behind me because i am i shouldn't be let out on my own unsupervised <laughs> and i said i've had an idea and i went oh no 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 what i want to do is i want to teach mums and dads and teachers and and they were like oh no it won't work surely they'll need so we created the Ollie School and we are training mums and dads and teachers, truck drivers, hairdressers, GPs, nurses, you name it, police officers, every walk of life. And they're blimmin' amazing. They are blimmin' amazing because they're not coming in it, into it with any preconceived box label. They're coming in it fresh. They're taking the learning that we're giving them and they're out there in the community, in schools, fostering adoption, early intervention, all over the blooming country, Ireland now. We're beginning to go international. We just have to license it up everywhere we go so we can make sure it stays clean and safe. But because it's so simple and effective and parents are realizing they don't have to wait months and months and months, they're not going to have someone sit there and make them feel you talking to me, I'm me, I don't change. It's is what it is, isn't it? You know? And we've got different types of therapists. I have some very posh ones that, you know, because again, everybody's different and we need that uniqueness. But all of them have the same theory. We can't fix you, we'll never give you advice. We completely believe you've got everything you need inside. What you're feeling is a part of you, not who you are. Let's ask it what's wrong and let's sort it out, shall we?
0: It's not wrong and it's not right. Absolutely. Love it. <laughs> Interestingly, my aunt lives in Essex and she used to demolish buildings as well. It's quite interesting. She allowed to. I was I just re I was allowed to. No, no, yes. My uncle and him, they used to um, do the thing in London where you had to leave the front of the building and take the rest it's out. Sad, yeah. So, uh, yeah, she used to do that.
1: I probably know her. Hello.
0: <laughs> Random segment to go into there, distru- destroying buildings. But yes, it is a career choice for some people. It's very good for anxiety. Yes. I used to work at IKEA in the warehouse. <laughs> and cardboard box destruction is Very, very therapeutic. Very. (laughs) Loved that. Loved that when I was younger. Need some big cardboard boxes. Well, Alison, thank you for coming on the show today. You're very welcome. I've absolutely loved it. Loved learning about Ollie's (laughs) and the emotional emotions. We'll be putting links from Alison and all about Ollie and his superpowers in the show notes. Uh, And also be putting Alison's contact details so you can get in contact with Alison. And you can find the show notes on our website, www.thesencast.com. Thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe by going to our website, www.thesendcast.com. You can also sign up to our newsletter to keep up to date with the latest news. And you can follow us on all the usual social media. So on Twitter, we are at The Sendcast. On Facebook, we are The Sendcast. On Instagram, The Sendcast. But on LinkedIn, we're just Sendcast. And if you want to get in touch, let me know your thoughts, suggest topics or anything else. Please send an email to hello at the Sendcast.com. And if you've enjoyed the Sendcast, why not look into the virtual SEND conference? This is a conference that, like the podcast, is run by us here at B Squared, and it covers all aspects of SEND. What makes the conference different is it's accessed across the internet. It comes to you. We run it twice a year in March and November, and each conference has 12 highly valuable sessions designed to help you. The idea is every session gives you something that you can take away and implement in your school. You can buy tickets for future or past events. Videos are always available. The cost for each conference is £60, and this covers the entire school, not per person. As a listener to Sendcast, we offer you a 10% discount just using the code SENDCAST10. No spaces. And if you're a parent, we also have Parent Talks, which follows the same concept. We launched the first one in June 2020, and they are available at £10 for all 12 sessions. And to find out more information about both of these, go to the Virtual Send Conference website, which is www.virtualsendconference.com and for parent talks, add a forward slash parent talks on the end. So thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. And
1: goodbye from me.